And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use the promo code DNVR20 to save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons and on this episode, we've got big honking Rockies things to talk about. <laughs> Not a lot of news out there in the world of late, but finally, a couple of things that are present and water cooler worthy, Patrick. And so we get to talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame stuff that became a bit more relevant today with uh, the ballots going out. Todd Helton continuing his path to try to get in the Hall of Fame. A few other former Rockies making their first appearances on the ballot. But we do, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, have to begin with some comments from Colorado Rockies owner Dick Monfort in uh, really a, a kind of a, a strange way to give the backstory here really quick. And, and you can even go back a little bit further to the point where, you remember a year ago, the Rockies did their big postseason uh, don't call it a press conference, press conference with uh, Dick Monfort and Bud Black and Jeff Breidich. And they basically answered every single question that, that we had. I was in that room. Uh, there, there were a lot of questions asked. Um, you know, we can get back to this, but you can ask yourself if any good actually came from that. But it seemed like the Rockies were going to do that again. Now, obviously, a Zoom version in the world of COVID-19, but so that had been on the table. It hadn't necessarily been promised to us, but it had been suggested that it was going to happen. And then it just didn't. And then they kind of haphazardly said, yeah, we're not going to do that. And then just several days later, we see on Twitter, Patrick, the owner responding to fans' emails privately and kind of stepping in it again, as he did. If, if those of you who recall, those of you who are around for the 2014 era, uh, the, not the first time Dick Monfort's done something like this, but boy, it's always disappointing when he does. You would think that when reaching out to fans, you almost have to choose your words even more carefully than you would with the media, but it, it seems to be the opposite. And this might not just be... <laughs> Dick Moffer, this could be anyone. Like when you get bright lights on you and someone who you may think is out to get you or you may think is speaking on I'm... behalf of the fans and, and has their own megaphone to go out to, to even more folks, 
you're going to be incredibly careful. And I, and I think we, we saw that last year and they did the best job they, they could with what they had. You might not have liked the answers, but they were all fair, I, I thought, last year for the most part. Um, and then you've got a, a, a personal email going out to someone you'd imagine that's that's a literal translation of your fan base you know they could you know dick monford or jeff bridich or bud black could say anything to us and we can you know take that and spin that or do with it whatever they want they won't really know if that sold them more tickets if it sold less they don't really know how that can transfer to dollars and cents but if you are directly communicating with a fan and do so maybe with some vitriol again it's hard to understand tone a little but very clearly if someone says you know hey we can't wait to be back at Coors Field and they say well George Lewinsky was an important trade this guy had guts to do it you say what I just no I I was saying something nice or something neutral and you get that response uh it is it is a bit odd it is a bit strange that well, no, that to be very clear here that's that's not what happened here. The the email he was responding no. to was definitely uh, just just to be clear. I, I didn't I knew that's not what you were saying. I just didn't want anyone listening to me who, who didn't see this unfold to be confused. Well, it didn't that, strike me right, and it, it but it wasn't one of those where like listen, and you know coarse language and mf and and this that and the other. I thought it was like a respectful hey, being a little critical, but in in a respectful way. So you're right that that differentiation should be made. Right. Um, and I don't, I, I feel really bad because I don't know how to pronounce her name. Uh, the, the fan who sent the thing, she, she interacts with us on Twitter. I'm not sure if she's a listener to the pod or maybe she is, but Daryl is, uh, Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry if I butchered your name. Um, but yeah, the, it, it wasn't like, if you recall, uh, again, in, in 2014, I believe it was the very famous, if product didn't experience that bad, don't come thing um that was in response to something that was full of crude language and vitriol and was way over the top and and i and i felt like in many ways because only dick monfort stuff got reported at first and not the first half of it that that was unfair this isn't that situation we we've actually there's a couple of them out there this is the one that's getting the most kind of attention uh but there have been several fans uh, led by another person who is a regular listener and and interactor with us on social media, uh, is it Legacy? Where is it? I can see this because you can go and if you want, you know they're they're driving the the rally here, whatever you want to call it. There, if you want to email Dick Monfort, Legacy three two three three on Twitter's got uh, you know the the standard, very respectful. And the thing I like about this one, like you said, Patrick, is that it's very respectful and that gives the fans in this particular instance the ethical upper hand because so often you know owners and gms and players who get these kinds of emails are getting vitriol and hate and sometimes even like death threats and stuff and it goes way over the top and and it makes it difficult to take your very legitimate concerns legitimately and, and so I think this form email that's going around is actually pretty good. I think the idea of people emailing Dick Monfort and saying, we're not happy with the team. We're not happy with the general manager. I, I think all of that is good. I, 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 you know, again, pragmatically, 
I don't think it's great that Dick Monfort's responding to them. If he was better at responding to them, it'd be fine. If he could write a little one-sentence response, he should literally just, Patrick, have a copy and paste of, we're disappointed too, we're working tirelessly to make it better. That's it. And no one's going to be happy with that. No one's going right. to be like, oh, great. Like, no, but no one's going to be outraged by it. And, and and they're rightfully outraged by this because while I think some people are, are over-interpreting and, and I think – I'm always somebody who thinks when, when there's no pragmatic end to something that people are overreacting because ultimately this has no bearing on the roster. And, you know, people think it – what we're doing here is interpreting what someone – therefore believes and is doing on their baseball team because of six sentences they sent after probably, you know, a couple of drinks in the middle of the night, a couple of Breck brews, not that we don't all partake. And, you know, it just, it, it, so I do think there's an overreaction and I do think there's an overinterpretation at the same time. When you write something like this and you show how out of touch you are with certain elements of the ball club or certain elements of reality, then people are going to rightfully respond the way they have on Twitter and say, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This team is doomed. Yeah, folks that are at the top of of anything can be a little insular and they have an inability to kind of understand what's going on at, at a grassroots level. And that's just, that's difficulty in anything. Even if you, if you run your own company, you might not know what's going on, you know, with the people that are down on the floor, they, they think everything's going really well. But then when you go and talk to them, they've got issues and and troubles with things that you had never imagined because you're just not, you know, pounding the pavement and, and doing that job. And, and that's, that's a challenge for every owner because, you know, they're not entirely tapped in, to you know how the guys feel in the clubhouse or any of the chemistry between players it it you know it gets filtered out and maybe you never even hear about it you know i'm there i'm sure have been many incidents where owners you know after the fact hear about it and go what what's going on with my club i mean you know i'm i'm uh according to lonhow (laughs) yeah well i can't remember the name of it by and he hadn't heard of anything I don't know. The more go. I dig into that, uh, it's, I don't know. There might be a little bit of something there to your point of like, we like to believe that owners or leaders or, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are people out there who assume that Brandon Spano has listened to every second of this podcast and reads every single Rockies article that gets published. But I, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble out there or suggest that our boss doesn't care about our work, but He's not. <laughs> He's not doing those things. He's got more important shit to do. And so, yeah, like it's, you never know what's falling through the cracks. Apparently with Dick Monfort, just about everything is falling through the cracks. But yeah, and, and, and who why are the you team surround- needs a president. There you go. Yeah, that, you know, who are you, who are you surrounding yourself with? And if you get yes men around you or if you're in these echo chambers you're again you're not going to actually find out what's going on because if if the truth gets out i might lose my job and and it could just be a a bottom line thing you know dick monford is a very successful businessman and you know we know he's he's been able to keep the rockies in denver with with the new lease that was signed a couple years ago so they're going to be here for another 27 28 more years in lodo which is fantastic built you know one of the crown jewels of of all all of baseball you know he hasn't changed yeah. the, the logo 15 million times there's so many things that this man has done 
Right, and we time and time again, we can give him credit for that. But the one thing I think he has not done right, and I think that kind of clouds every decision that he makes, is looking at the bottom line of how how profitable has our club been. And you can be a very profitable club with a losing record or with a with a team that's lackluster. And and the Rockies have never had atrocious teams. And they've always had at least one star player. And so if you just go by that formula, the Rockies can be successful and they make money. And if that's what Dick Momford values above all others, so be it. But See, I don't think that's fans, the case at all. I don't think it we've is had at that all. discussion. I think, he very much, I think he very much wants to win. I think he doesn't understand baseball. I think it's the exact opposite problem. I think it's that he's too involved with baseball decisions, and he needs to become completely uninvolved with baseball decisions and only make the money decisions. Set the budget. Tell your GM or your team president or whatever, here's your budget. Here's the money. Here's what we're going to spend. But I'm not going to tell you how to spend it at all. I'm not going to tell you who to draft. I'm not going to nix trades because I'm worried about, uh, you know, and, and that's the part where you, you can nix a trade because you are worried about the bottom line. You move out the star player. That means we can't sell X tickets, X jerseys. And that's where those two conversations intersect. And and, and to that extent, I, I, I think that's where, but, but I don't think he sees them as either ors. I think he truly believes that you win with superstar players and that you win with loyalty, despite, you know, the lack of evidence that it's worked out here. I understand all of that, but he's just not good at it. He needs to get his hands off the wheel and hire a team president, or if it's going to be Jeff Breidich, whoever it's going to be, give them the power to do the job. Let them do what they're going to do. And I've, I've just heard way too many stories going back a long time and, and it's gotten less and less, but if you're going to take the reins of the organization, if you're going to respond to fans, if you're going to make yourself more of a face of the organization than just the guy who's counting the money at the end of the day, then you got to do better than this. And he's not. So I just wish he'd, I just wish he'd stop Patrick. I just wish he'd stop responding to fans. I just count the money and let, and again, because then we would know, we wouldn't have this question. Like is Jeff Breidich, inept or is he unable to work inside the ridiculous constraints of his owner right those can be two completely different conversations like just let him do what he's going to do and then if they fail then you can just fire the guy and get rid of him and you don't have to point to some of the legitimate things he does here like him being the farm director for all these really good players who developed and the runs in 17 and 18 which you do have to give him credit for but it's like have to it, it it rings hollow when the owner puts himself into the middle of the conversation or the decision-making process and makes it clear that he doesn't have a complete or, or full or deep understanding of the baseball team or modern baseball. And see, when we've had this conversation before, you said that. I, of course, thought about it numerous times. Okay, like, like any any two people having a conversation or you know trying to 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 win an argument whatever it is debate club right you got to go what does the other guy say and and the thing is i actually agree with you what you're saying is correct i just think there's some other element of him uh, of dick monford saying i i want to win my way so if you want to win one particular way it almost suggests you don't want to win 
Now, he that's does, illogical. But that he, doesn't make any sense at all. That doesn't make any sense at all. His way. Yeah, but everybody wants to win their way. Everyone has a line they won't cross somewhere, or they should. The Astros didn't, I guess. Everyone's got a line they won't cross. I hadn't cross. heard. Everyone's got their own way. <laughs> Everyone's got their own way. It's just it, we, we glorify it when it's the Cardinal way or the Yankee way. And obviously when it's the Rocky way, we shovel dirt on it. And for good, I'm not saying – and we shouldn't make jokes and do the dunking and all of that, but – I I, I I struggle with that. He doesn't want to win because he has a particular idea of what it takes to win. Because I think everyone has their own particular idea of what it takes to win. I do think there are a lot of things about his that are wrong. <laughs> and again, that's why he needs to just step back, step away. And and again, back to fans, if, if you're emailing, you know, you want to be constructive. And that's why I'm engaging with this more than I have with other things in the past. Because you, you remember the old saying, right, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I find that to be poppycock. I prefer... It's hard, don't to, have anything... it's hard to do that when you run a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's BS. That's not... A Rockies podcast. Right. Yeah, yeah, straight <laughs> up. So, my take, and actually long before this gig, has always been, if you don't have anything constructive to say, don't say anything at all. And I've seen a lot of responses to this that are dunking on Dick Monfort, dunking on the Rockies, and oh my god, they're 80s, and... and 90% of it is unconstructive and it's fine because people are also emotional and maybe to for on a personal level it's constructive people are getting out their their frustrations their emotions uh, power to you all power to you for sure but like in the realm of Rocky's community to what extent is it constructive and that's where I would say you know those of you do email use the form but be polite be respectful and be specific Talk about the things you'd like to see, the team president in particular, a new GM if that's what you you truly want, but the kind of GM you'd like to see. Again, we've talked about it before on this podcast, you know, the grass is greener, telling somebody, fire this guy you've worked with for 20-something years. I don't know exactly, right, however long Breidich has been with the organization, long time. Uh, this guy you've got a very close personal relationship with. Fire him. I just want you to fire him. I don't have any other suggestion for you beyond that. I, I, don't, I don't have any constructive, positive thing to add. You know, again, it, it, that's half a conversation. Getting rid of Jeff Breidich doesn't magically make, magically make the team better. There's got to be another thing. Right, because you can you can take that to any element of the Rockies and just say, oh, you got to you got to trade John Gray. Like, hey, he's yeah. in the final year of his contract uh, before he enters free agency. You got to trade him. Okay, but then their rotation is down one more starting pitcher, and that doesn't make them better. So you're right; you got to have that constructive criticism of, of of what can be done. And there's a there's a lot, you know. Again, go do your research, and and in fact, you could probably just listen to our podcast uh, every day, and you'll get some ideas as far as you know investing in the international market more, being a real player, and 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 bringing in those those young guys that. Again, are uh, you know can be controlled uh, for for six to seven years, you know players that are unencumbered and you don't need the first overall draft pick. You can just get the top sixteen year old kid who's playing baseball in the Dominican Republic or Venezuela, right. anything like that. You can go hard after those guys and lay the groundwork so that immediately when you can sign him on July second, boom. You can make that signing. Investing more in analytics is a huge element that we right. know that the Rockies have kind of fallen behind on, and that can be 
one way to, again, improve the team, not just in the short term, but in the long term too. Again, understanding now that now the the, the trend right now in baseball is, is all the biomechanics, right? With the Rapsodo and spin rate and all these things. So again, right. that is an investment, not just in the present, but in the future and saying, hey, we drafted this kid at 18 years old, at 18 years old, and we need to work on his mechanics. Well, that's going to play itself out when he finally reaches Coors Field. So that is an investment in the future and, and all these things because even if the Rockies go out and they spend a lot of money in free agency this offseason and sign a bunch of guys to a one or two year deal, that's a crapshoot. And it might not, you know, it, it might do something. It might get them to the playoffs either in 21 or 22. But what does that mean for 23? What does that mean for 24? So again, it's it's investing in the future in all of these different ways. Don't just say, hey, change it and do it differently. You have to know what areas to do that. What kind of GM do you want? As you said, right? Looking at that, who, what kind of experience? What organization do you want to go after? Do you just want a young guy that's right. never done it before that has a lot of promise? Do you want him to do it on the biggest stage as the GM? Or does he need to start out lower down? In, in the operations and, and work his way up, much like a lot of the guys in the Rockies organization. But right. again, do you do that from within and, and promote a Zach Rosenthal? Or do you go outside the organization like the Marlins did and say, hey, you know what? This woman has so much experience and is long overdue to become a GM. You know what? We're going to bring her in because she does everything really well. Maybe you need someone that does one thing particularly well above all else. And maybe that is part of the solution for what the Rockies might need is someone that's better at, you know, scouting and developing, which is something that Jeff Breidich was good at at one yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, that is still something he's good at. He's just been terrible in free agency. But <clears throat> again, I, I think it really helps to be specific as, as we talked about here. Um, the last point that I wanted to make on this before we move in, and, and I guess this can be presented by Breck Brew. So go ahead. And uh, toast. Mm. That is a tasty hot peak IPA right there. Nice and chill. Yeah, I got a few more of these because I went over and got that uh, 15 can sampler. They got the hot peak IPA in there, the avalanche amber. There's a lager in there for you. The famous vanilla porter. It's it's vanilla porter season already now, so it's time to get that thing on. Perfect beer for the holidays. You show up with a vanilla porter at your very small and safe family gathering, I'm sure. And you bring that vanilla porter. Everyone is going to be very excited that you did. You can get it, again, either at the uh, – that was, was it the King Supers? <laughs> I went to my old brand. I went City Market. I was like, no one's going to know what that is. It's in Grand Junction. No one else calls it City yeah. Market, dude. That's Western really- Slope. That's a Western Slope <laughs> thing, yeah. Straight up, uh, or, the King or Kroger's. Stupers. If you're, or Kroger's. Yeah. If you're from the southeast, yeah. I think I think like yeah. George has Kroger's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any of those places will hook you up. You can also go to uh, any liquor store. Is probably going to have your Breck Brew. There's a, there's an app you can download the Breck Finder. If you're not local, to find whatever closest to you. But if you are local, head over to the farmhouse, man. Call 303-803-1380 from PM. Use code DNVR. Save five bucks off both the the drink. And like I said, one last point that I had to get into here on the 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 sort of I don't I don't know what we're calling this. 
<laughs> the Monfort, Monfort Gate. Yeah, right. Um, is is a reminder again of long term perspective. Uh, I was there in in 2014 to 2015 when, for whatever reason, Monfort was on his iPad, and and those comments were honestly worse. Uh, there were two comments at the time that he made that if product and experience that bad, um, which again, I thought was justified given like I literally anybody else can say that to a fan who's so irate about going to a sporting event that they're going to curse out the owner and just be like, right. If you're that mad about a baseball game, like maybe try going to the movies or something. Like if I say that to you, fine. The owner can't tell people not to come to the baseball game. That's the one thing you can't say. Don't don't buy my ticket to my game. Are you kidding me? But again, in context, I understood that. But it's worse than anything he said in the last 48 hours, as was his comment at the time that he had uh, responded to somebody. And this was the one he actually came out and apologized for back then where he had, had made some remark about how maybe Denver doesn't deserve to have a baseball team. And that was that was a low, low. Again, the, the thing you don't say. Um, and, and I remember writing something at the time that essentially compared it to, like, have you ever been in an argument, loved one, just said something that you really wish you hadn't said? Um I gotta. I, I just have to believe that with the maybe Denver doesn't deserve a team thing. That that's that's what that was because you know he was feeling inundated and it, it's a reminder that owners are human beings too. That you know it is important to be constructive and and respectful with your interactions with them as well. But it's also a reminder that two years later the team was in the postseason for back-to-back times it didn't have any impact on the development of charlie blackman or trevor story or nolan arenado or john gray or kyle freeland all of these people who were in the organization and, and developing at the time and there was this huge catastrophe and the owner suggesting they shouldn't have a team and telling fans not to come to games and they hadn't been to the postseason since 2009 it had been so much longer and they had been through these awful years and Kyle Kendrick had been the opening day starter and it was miserable it was absolutely miserable it's way worse than anything that's going on right now and just a couple of years later the Rockies were within one win of matching their franchise high in victories so while this sucks I do highly encourage anyone who wants to continue to contact the owner to do so and continue to voice your frustrations again as long as you're doing it in a constructive manner uh, i think it's a, a very healthy dialogue to have but i also want to warn people off from that that grass is greener and too a little too much of woe is me and you know it couldn't possibly get better and the future couldn't possibly be bright with these guys in charge because it was not that long ago and uh, there are a lot of baseball teams out there, a lot of sports teams out there that haven't experienced anything close to that success, anything close to recent past. And so it's fair to make your, your constructive demands, I think, of the team, but also with the right perspective.
And now the shoe's on the other foot because now you have the ear of the GM in the front office, and we don't. You actually have that opportunity right. to make that impact. I had, you know, um, a couple sources very close to the situation that said that we were going to get a post regular season media availability. The funny thing was, and it, I believed it to be true, partially because it was, uh, I believe, March. It's not March. Uh, November. You know, I get those months confused. Yeah. Wow. It was November 2nd. So Monday, you know, the day before the presidential election, which would have been a great time to have a press conference for the media because it would have just – it would have been like gone and yeah, we still would have talked about it. But it would have been so buried. I'm like, oh, that's genius. That's exactly the time you wait to have any kind of, you know – uh, media availability and it and it didn't happen mm-hmm. and it seems as if again radio silence we're not going to have any contact from them at all so you you out there listening to this you actually have that opportunity you know to maybe make a difference or uh, to at least get a couple extra likes and retweets on Twitter that's that's not so bad sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know there's there's all kinds of things that you can get in life one of the Positive things that you can get in life Patrick is one of my favorite things to get in life because it's totally free, it's totally fun, and sometimes you can even win prizes just for playing it, and that's WGT Golf. You get it at dnvrgolf.com, you play on your laptop or your phone, and just for playing in our weekly weekend tournaments, you got to send us a little screenshot to prove that you played in it. You go and you get into DNVR4, search for that once you've downloaded WGT Golf on your phone or your laptop, and then you just send us a screenshot. It doesn't matter if you're good. You can be terrible. Play one hole, you fall behind, you're awful. But you send us that screenshot that you participated in the tournament, you might just win yourself some free DNVR swag. Pretty cool spot to be in. And other than that, you just get a pretty great game. It's the official sponsor of DNVR Gaming because we love it, along with 20 million other people playing closest to the hole or full play on world golf courses, including Pebble Beach and Bethpage Black, competing with other people here in the DNVR community. There's a little chat function they got in there. You can talk some trash or be very encouraging if you prefer. Whatever your way of playing, whether you want to get hardcore into it or just have something to play in line at the bank, highly recommend you checking out WGT Golf at dnvrgolf.com today. And you want to do it because this time next year when we're – doing these ad reads for dnvr 25 for the 25th group in wgt you'll go i'm four like i'm i'm single digits you know like you you can be old school in that way because we did it when we started it was just code Mm -hmm. dnvr that was the original we didn't even have a number those of us that got in and it was two it's three now we're at four after that comes five then six, and I think right? you get the idea. Yeah, so, so get in now while it's while it's still relatively early, while we're still in the single digits at least. Yeah, no, uh, that, that sounds right to me. Uh, you know, Patrick, speaking of the wacky stick on the WGT golf, a young man, well, not quite so young anymore. I remember him as a young man and as an old man who is now making his way slowly but steadily, I believe, toward induction in the Hall of Fame, pretty good at the wacky stick himself. Uh, Mr. Todd Helton, today the ballots have gone out. BBWAA voters can start filling out and voting for the Hall of Fame. 
Uh, obviously, there are a couple other names we're going to get to in a moment here. We, we've talked a lot about the Helton case over the years. We can maybe add to it more if we want to here. If anyone's got questions, obviously, feel free to hit us up. Remember, you can join us every weekday at 4.05 p.m. on Facebook or Periscope and on Wednesdays also on YouTube. But let, let's start with predictions here. How much do you think Todd Helton's vote total is going to grow because we know we got a little bit more is that like what 29 after year two where walker was at 23 after year two do we expect to see a similar type of increase in helton is he going to continue to grow faster because the coors field thing is maybe behind the voters a little bit more or is he gonna slow down a little bit do you anticipate some pumping of the brakes some voters maybe being like um, I'm still not so sure here. No, his numbers should continue to go up. The real question is just by how much, obviously. Yeah. Because, again, once guys get voted in, that, that moves other names off the ballot. I think the fact that one of the biggest names, of course, was being Larry Walker, that was kind of blocking him. Like, hey, if right. if the greatest guy that ever you know played for the Rockies, even if it wasn't as long as Helton isn't getting in well then obviously you don't deserve to get in and you can make the case that you know maybe they're a lot closer all time um than than i am but ultimately once walker's now out of the way okay now that that frees up some space and there really weren't too many names added on this year's ballot that are going to take votes away like you could make the case that from between year one and year two Derek Jeter getting put on the ballot you go well right. anyone that had vote voted for for nine or ten guys before well Jeter's going to get that final vote and that's it but again I, I think once you you kind of move off some of the the players that are taking up some of your mental space you know living in your head rent free you can slowly start to say okay Let's let's forget about Bonds. Let's forget about these other guys who are still on the ballot, mind yeah. you. Yeah. You can start to look and say, Todd Helton. Okay, all right, yep, very good. I, re- I remember he was always up there. Now let me dig a little deeper. And it really, right. you know, it, it once voters started doing that for Larry Walker, it, it made a big impact. And Manny Randawa's book about the Blake Street Bombers was fantastic. You know, he sent that out to a lot of voters and really was – uh, pounding the pavement with that in in a major way, and um, you know, this is why maybe in a couple years, Drew, you need to write the big Todd Helton book because if he needs that boost, someone's got to write that book, Drew. Start hey. now. Work first an outline, uh, then a rough draft, and right. I was gonna say it's but, so daunting. Yeah, Walker's numbers didn't go up a lot from year yeah. two to year three. So I don't know if that'll be the case for, for him. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I don't think he'll get up maybe as high as 40, but I, I would I would peg it to be around, let's say, 35%. In that in that mid-30s, that, that feels about right. Um, yeah, I, it's interesting because I, I feel like the Todd Helton case – is even slightly more nuanced than the the Larry Walker case. There's a few other things you got to get into it. The fact that he played his entire career with one team, I, I think should be, and not just that he played his entire career with one team, but that he was Mr. Rocky, that he was the guy on the map and that, that he was in so many categories that um, I think that counts for something. But there's all the nuance at first base that, We've talked about that. I think a lot of that gets lost. And um, 
his splits, like Larry, Larry Walker splits are more easily explainable, <laughs> I think, than, but ultimately the guy's a Hall of Famer. I think pretty easily he should a Hall of Famer. I hope he gets in before the 10th and final ballot and write a book. <laughs> Most of it's just going to be about the year 2000. Actually, that's not even true. He, he was good for so long and... Uh, there are a lot of misnomers about his career, including that he was bad in the uh, end of it, at the latter half of his career. It's like he wasn't as good as, as he used to be, but he was very productive in a few of those late career seasons, including uh, you know, 07 and 09. Is 07 late career for him? That's fortunate, maybe, but 09, I think, definitely is. And he was, he was a big part of that run and uh, leader. That, the Todd and the toddlers, all that stuff. And so guy belongs in the hall of fame. I think he'll get there. It's going to be uh, fun, but tense to watch it unfold. And if we have to make another campaign, like we did with Walker, um, it's going to be frustrating. I'm, I'm hoping to kind of open the floodgates a little bit now and people understand, like you can't just course field away an entire career. Sure. Can, can I at least get you to to sit, agree to uh, writing a zine? Could you do a zine? No. A zine. Uh, well, yeah. I, I it's going to be a couple of years until we really start to see uh, Helton's numbers jump up because Schilling, Clemens, Bonds, and to a lesser extent, extent Sammy Sosa, they're going to be in their ninth year this year. So that means in in twenty twenty two. Uh, the 2022 election, they're going to be in their 10th year. And so really it won't be until November of 22 that we were thinking about the, the, the 2023 induction that summer that it's going to really <laughs> free up some space. No, that's yeah, yeah, no. It, and, and there's not a lot of exciting guys coming up on the ballot. <laughs> I mean, last year Paul Canerco was a first-year guy that I think is is a player – um, maybe somewhat similar to Todd Helton. I don't think he has the same numbers, but was a really underrated first baseman. You shouldn't say underrated if you're talking about a Hall of Famer, right? But I think he was a lot better than people might remember. He's off the ballot after one year. Bobby Abreu is another guy. He barely stayed on the ballot. You have to get yeah. at least 5% of the vote. He got 5.5%. Bobby Abreu, you look at some of his numbers, he's very Walker-esque when you say you look at certain rate stats and wins above replacement. You go, yeah, but he was never really like the best player. You know, It was Chase Utley and Ryan Howard and, and Jimmy Rollins on the Phillies more so than it was Bobby Abreu. And then he went to New York and, you know... It, he wasn't a, a superstar for the Yankees, but the dude really was a phenomenal player. So it's, it's going to take time, you know, uh, I, I can't do the math anymore, but what, it would be like 2028 20, would be Walker, uh, be Helton's final season on the ballot. So we're going to, we could have a lot more of these conversations before it ever, you know, comes to fruition for uh, the Todd father, the original Todd father. The original Todd Father, not to be confused with the the wannabe Todd Father. And I could say that because it's from one of my dudes, Todd Frazier, also from New Jersey, my neck of the woods in Ocean County of Tom's River, New Jersey. But, you know, it's 
it's crazy to think that a player was going to get more votes one year to the next because they've never played a game. It's it's not as if Larry <laughs> Walker had a really good 2019. Yeah. <laughs> he did nothing. He did absolutely nothing. I mean, that is unless you know, he was sending out photographs to BBWAA voters of what his closet looked like. Then maybe <laughs> he could have turned a couple case. people. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that SpongeBob yeah. shirt yeah. is I've forever always legendary. That of it. Fascinating, too. Yeah. Just like, yeah, he didn't do anything to improve his case, but uh, some of the, it's just the way it seems to work. And uh, I guess in a way, if, if you follow the historic logic of the BBWAA and the Hall of Fame, then Todd Helton as a seventh or eighth ballot Hall of Famer. That feels about right. Yeah, no, it does. And I mean, I don't, I don't think there would be any other former Rockies player that would get in before Helton, because we're talking about a very, again, short window. He only has eight more possible years right. to get in. So someone would have had to have retired within the past two years that even played, you know, a, a single game with the Rockies. Now, the only other thing would too be low. if too low. Potentially, yeah. Eh. It, the real question is, does he get 5%? Could have, should have, would have, could have, should have, would have. Could have, should have, yeah, would have. Yeah, right. The, the only other guy that, and I, I wrote an article on this about two years ago. I actually wanted to, to pull it up before the pod today. We'll have to look at it another day. Is you could see Dale Murphy potentially getting in the Hall of Fame before Todd Helton. If a certain veterans committee oh. gets together and reexamines, again, only played in the 93 season with the Rockies, you know, was was really you know injured i think he only needed two home runs to get 400 he got zero so again not a guy you think of it'll, it'll be one of those where you know it won't be until that that final saturday or sunday in july when he gets inducted and it's on the cover of the denver post that people will go a rockies guy got in like it's just he was an original rocky that was barely a rocky spent most of his career with atlanta and if you if you've forgotten about him, that's fine. But he still could right. be number two. He still has I that opportunity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So here's a horrifying thing I'm going to throw out. Nobody take this too seriously. Right? Oh God. But what if <laughs> Nolan Arenado just retired? Sick of all this stuff, and the opt out that man is tired, or the the shoulder. I'm not even going to finish that sentence. But, you know, what if it just so happened that Nolan had to retire right now? Is he a Hall of Famer? No. Because you need to play 10 seasons in Major League Baseball in order to qualify. No. So he hasn't even played the minimum. I think that, I think I've uh, I've talked to some folks where it's like, oh, Mike Trout, not a Hall of Famer. Because he hasn't right. played 10 okay. seasons yet. All, all right, smarty pants guy. Put that aside for him. After 2022, <laughs> he can retire. At which point, he has you have to wait five years. But if you play for the whole season, it ends up being more like six. That would right. that would mean Helton and Arenado could both get in in the 2028 Hall of Fame right. induction. Right. You want that to happen, Drew? You just put that out there in the world, man. You just put it out there. That <laughs> no Arenado, two more years, he's out. Hey, uh, you know, who knows where he's going to be in two years. But, yeah, no, probably not going to happen. 
and he'll probably end up in the Hall of Fame the normal way. But it's the only thing I could think of. Is like, well, what what can make it close? Uh, the other guys, of course, uh, it, well, maybe not, of course, maybe maybe you hadn't seen this out there on the social media. Maybe I shouldn't say. Uh, if you hadn't heard, two other former Rockies are now eligible for, but not going to get into the Hall of Fame, but still kind of follow their careers a little bit here. Uh, beginning with Michael Kadire in his first year on the ballot, known more as a Minnesota twin, but loved here for three seasons in Colorado. And, you know, never put up the numbers. It's funny, his career war is just murdered by his defense because he was a good hitter. He was a good to great hitter, a career WRC plus of 112. Uh, ended up with uh, just three shy of 200 career home runs. Uh, so not monster numbers, not Hall of Fame numbers, but a guy who just about every single year of his career, uh, including his out here in Colorado in 2013, where he won the batting title, hitting 331 on basing 389, slugged 530, hit 20 home runs, uh, four shy of a career high in, in home runs there. But uh, and a great guy. Everybody loved Cuddy. Everybody always enjoyed. Uh, always known as being a great teammate. All of that stuff. Uh, so not a Hall of Famer, but his career fondly and i think it was no i got it wrong i'm trying to remember who the rockies got with the draft pick that they acquired because the mets had signed him because the rockies actually put a qualifying offer on him in fact i think he's the only player that the rockies have ever put a qualifying offer on now that i think about it um and i was i was shocked at the time that they did that and I thought, yeah, he, he better accept it. But this was in an age in which guys didn't accept qualifying offers because as a free agent, boom, you were, you were going to get that money and then some pretty easily. And even though he was you know, a little bit older at that time, he was coming off his age 35 season, that was kind of the biggest giveaway. As it were, the Mets signed him. The Rockies ended up getting a nice little draft pick. I don't remember who it was, unfortunately. Uh, I do know Kadire also has the longest hitting streak in Rockies history. I think it was also in, in that 2013 season. It was either 27 or 28 games. Might have been 27. I think it was 27. And Yeah, I yeah, remember he, that. He was fantastic. And what's strange how you talk about his defense is like, his defense was so bad that he he went from a corner outfielder to an infielder. It was like, listen, you can't be any worse. We don't want you running anywhere. So we're just going to stay stationary the whole day. So at, at age 26, all of a sudden, he's a third baseman. I think he played you know, some infield in the minors, but uh, he played a little third base. Then they moved him, and, and he played some, some second base for a period of time, too. Um, none of that with, with Colorado, but they moved him to first base. Yeah. Yeah. He spent some time there uh, at the end of uh, Helton's career and, and, and the beginning of the Morneau two-year era. But he was he was really good when healthy with the Rockies. And you're right, yeah, people should really fondly remember him. Won that batting title. And it was it was during that Walt Weiss era. It was it was he was one of the, the few things, you know, besides Tulo and Cargo to be yeah. excited about. For the best Rockies offense in history that not a lot of people still terrible. But True, he was. I mean, those guys could hit, and and it was 
as, as bad as they were, Cargo and Tulo, those guys did make that team to watch, but they could not pitch. <sighs> Pitching was bad. We, he, he might have been able to pitch. Nicaragua. Deep... Oh, ah, bomber. Whammy. <laughs> it was a good idea. Swing and a miss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew it was. I knew it was a, a decent name because, again, with the qualifying offer, and and you know, I thought Lemayhew had an opportunity to be a qualifying offer guy, and I I think that would have that would have bode really well for for Colorado. Again, you get a draft pick, and because the Rockies are you know one of those mid market teams that gets the uh, competitive balance picks, they would. Uh, if a guy was signed to a deal of fifty yeah. million dollars or more, the rule the rules have changed. But now, if you sign to a deal of fifty million dollars or more, uh, you get a pick after the first round. So we could you could be talking the thirty first overall pick. If he gets less than that, then you, you get one after the, you know, you'll get like one like in the eightieth pick. So again, that's that's not bad. That's a good freebie. So AJ Hayfley, oh AJ, yeah. They uh, they went they picked the wrong Nick wrong Nick with a K in his last name. Mike Soroka not too shabby of a starting pitcher. And finally, the last one we got to talk about here today is everyone's semi-favorite old guy reliever. I don't know. I don't. Uh, I love Latroy Hawkins. He was never my favorite player. He was always interesting to talk to in the clubhouse the handful of times I got. He's one of those guys who played for everybody, right? What's the number, Patrick? I'm sure you've got it. I'm sure you looked this one up. Did he play eleven? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna guess eleven. I didn't I don't want to price is right you, but I had did have twelve in my head before I looked it up. Well, I haven't looked it up yet. Okay. But That's, I think I think it might be twelve. Okay. And it, depending if you if you if you finagle, that's all right. We've got like, an over under then. There we go. Eleven. What and we've half. done is set an over under at eleven point five. Yeah. <laughs> he played. Oh, I gotta count all these up. Actually, it looks like it's less than eleven. Six, nine, eleven on the money. Well done. You got it. Eleven you know different you, teams. It, you know what? I think I might have miscounted in a sense because he played with Colorado twice, so that should bump him up to twelve. I think that should count 12. in my favor. <laughs> actually, so maybe the answer is actually eleven and a half. He played with Colorado twice, so they get, he, that's another like he was with them one and a half times. I don't know. I'm trying to make myself feel here. You were right. Uh, also, not a Hall of Famer. No. Hall of very good relief pitchers. Pitch over a thousand games in his career. How about that? Wow! Wow! Yeah, that's that's a solid yeah. career if you can get it. He was he was good. He was very. He's the Michael Kadire of relief pitchers. <laughs> you could you could possibly say that there hasn't been that many guys that have actually appeared in a thousand games. I, I would think that number is, is yeah. right around, let's say, 15, so that he's in pretty rarefied air. Uh, wow, get almost nailed it. 16. Only 16 guys. Uh, okay. Number 16 is Something. Coloradan. He's a Hall of Famer. Rich Goose Gossage. You've got Michael Jackson. Richard. He he. 
uh, Roberto Hernandez, Lee Smith, Hall of Famer, Jose Mesa, a.k.a. Joe Table, Trevor Hoffman, Hall of Famer, Latroy Hawkins, 10th in 20, he played 21 seasons, Kenta Colve, I loved Kenta Colve, nice side armor, submariner, Mike Timlin, Dan Plesak, lefty reliever, Hoyt Wilhelm, Hall of Famer, Dennis Eckersley, Hall of Famer, who also started as a starting pitcher to begin his career. That's pretty impressive. He got that many games. Mariano Rivera, yeah. perfect, 100% voting in the Hall of Fame. Then you got John Franco, who's a lefty, Mike Stanton, who's a lefty, and Jesse Orozco, who's a lefty, is in first place by almost 100 games. Jesse Orozco, I believe, pitched until he was 46 years old. And didn't really become a regular until he was 25 years can... old. Yeah. So, so, kids, if you're left-handed and you want to make a career at something, be a relief pitcher. You can hang around. For and if a you're while. a left-hand, and if you're a left-handed hitter, be a catcher. Left-handed hitting catchers are right. very valuable. Let's go, Dom Nunez. Let's see it. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> so this has been a fun and interesting episode of the podcast. We appreciate everyone hanging out with us. If you've got more thoughts about uh, the owner and his comments or what you're sending to him or what you want to know on that front, please be sure to hit us up, Drew or Patrick, at the DNVR.com. You can find us on social Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Creaseman, at DNVR underscore Rockies. Of course, you know you got to subscribe to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of that written content. We've got our ongoing rocks and roll articles where we will continue to roll out for you. Uh, uh, extra pun. <laughs> uh, who we think is going to stay on the Rockies, who we think is going to roll the up on out of here. And we got Trevor's story on the way for you there. We've got to know about that contract, about that trade proposals, all of those types of things, and the players who are going to be a part of this thing moving forward may not necessarily be who you think they're going to be, though some of them are probably exactly I think they're going to be. Look, it's <laughs> not everything can be a surprise, all right? Not everything has an M. Night Shyamalan ending. Sometimes it just it is what it is. But uh, we really, really do appreciate all of you. We know that you Rockies fans who are still engaging with this podcast and reading articles every single day, despite everything that's going on out there, last couple of seasons being down the owner making it clear that he doesn't have a full grasp of your concerns and of your your issues and that's that's very real and it can feel alienating as a fan and we we dismiss what it takes for you to fight through that to still want to come and talk about you know whether or not Todd Hill in the Hall of Fame and remember the glory days of the Michael Kadire and Latroy Hawkins era, <laughs> you know, but still you're Rockies fans and, and you want to see this thing get better. And as long as that is the motivation through which you're working, uh, I think we're all in together and, you know, we're going to be here every single day of it to be uh, with you, to answer your questions, to, to respond to these things in real time, just as you do. And figure out what's going to happen next. So thank you all so much for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. We will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time.
see you at the ballpark.